Hello and welcome to the Two Idiots Podcast. My name is Matt Traxel. And my name is Ryan Husky Bullet Johnson. On today's episode, we learn a little bit more about Ryan's obsession with how I dress, specifically around my pants. Ryan and I hop onto the Yang Gang bus. We predict the future of a Biden-Harris presidency. Uh, and then we both end up predicting the crash of the U.S. economy with different causes. And then Ryan gets into his overwhelmingly disappointing story as his life as a carny. Enjoy. So here, I want to talk about your jeans, man. All right. It feels like it's been a month since we've talked. Oh my God, it's been too long. This is what happens when you spend a week. This is when, when they're a week apart in the middle of an election and a pandemic. Um, How long has it actually been? Is it the normal amount of time? I think it's been a week. Oh my God. It, does yeah. it, it feels like a month. Is it just me? I think it's just you. Fuck. Yeah. What I want to talk about, I, I really admire your spouse for, for putting the thought into the jean purchases that she does for you. Okay. Because I feel as though the jeans that you usually wear, which aren't the ones you're wearing today, are so durable. Like, I may be reversing my whole criticism of your jeans. Like, hold on. Just wait. Hold, yeah, you're angry. I know you're upset. I am a little bit, but not at you. So, your jeans, I feel, that you typically wear are so durable and so wor- so <laughs> there's there's such utility. They look frou-frou. But the thing is what I realized is if you ever fell off a motorcycle or got into an industrial accident, the only thing that would survive would be your jeans. Yeah, the the stitching would carry. Yeah, the through. stitching would uh, you, you could completely avoid I know you're upset. You could completely avoid uh road rash uh with the the jeans that that your brilliant spouse buys you. Here's the problem. No. Nah. I wish that were true. Bah. Those jeans are also ripped to shit. Really? Yeah, they always rip on the left knee because you know I'm on my knees all the time. Oh, yeah. And and, and they rip with in the your pockets. job. You're on your you're on your metaphorical knees constantly. No, on my literal knees constantly. You're not on your metaphorical knees. What are my metaphorical knees? <laughs> and why would I be on my metaphorical knees? No, you're on your emotional knees. <laughs> That, that is so many knees. That clears nothing up. It's knees all the way down. There's it's <laughs> it's knees <laughs> knees from top to bottom is mm-hmm. knees. Okay. Um. So <laughs> you come home. Hey, honey, how was your day? What knees are you on right now? <laughs> yeah. I so I have a theory. Okay. This is where I want to touch on this today. Um. That so <clears throat> I think that. Hold on. All right. Hold on. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I am getting so annoyed. Yeah. Every one of these episodes is you start off with, I have a theory. Yeah. And then you ramble for 30 minutes incoherently. You love it. I have no idea what the theory is. And then we talk about something else. I give you, I give you so much meaning in your life that you can be, you, you need to be upset with things. And literally your biggest problem is sitting right in front of you. You. Yeah. No, that's not my biggest problem. What is? Uh, probably myself. So I would say my biggest problem is sitting inside of me. <laughs> or is me. Even closer. I don't know. Yeah, even closer. Yeah. Inside. It's your knees inside your knees. Yeah, it's it's my knees knees. Yeah. Yep. Not the, the little, bee's knees. So My bee's knees knees. My wife and I used to have a joke about like hurting our knees. knee, the littlest part of our little knee, and like how small of a spot, like the littlest part of my littlest knee is hurt. And it was just like a... I don't know, it was an exploration of, of how tiny of an injury you could have on your little knee. It was fun. That doesn't make any sense. None of that makes any sense. I know. But 
who says any Aztec. context. Fucking Captain, Co- Ooh, those are just facts. Give me some context. Is, is there a story where that doesn't sound insane? Did you ever? Did you ever get those things? Yes. That you could, yeah, you, what, what is the name of those, Coach? They have a name. Vomit gag sticks. <laughs> I think they're like. <laughs> uh, deep, deep throat simulator. Models. No. Not gonna do it today. Um, so I'm fasting. I'm going on at least. I don't want to hear about this. Hours, eighteen hours. Pop tubes. Pop tubes. What'd you type in? What'd you search? Gagging. No, you have to search in Google. What's the thing that goes? (laughs) Say what? What's the stick that makes you makes a gagging sound? Did it hear me? Oh. Um. So I don't want to hear about your fasting. Uh, what about my theory? So I can't, I, it's like the lesser of two evils. All right. <laughs> like, uh, what's your theory? Okay. So. <laughs> oh, oh, you fucking, you just owned the, me right there. The iceberg, <laughs> the iceberg is a common like diagram that comes up that I'm starting to see a lot in various parts of memes. My There's life. a lot of iceberg memes. A lot of iceberg memes. Um, But then it's also something in systems thinking where like at the top of the iceberg is, you know, the very tip is like the event. So like think about that as the news cycle or the news that we see every day. And then next one down is patterns. And then and one beneath that, you're under the water now, Um, is the behaviors. And then beneath that is mental models. Okay. And so, you know, like something, for example, um, you know, Elon Musk doing something really interesting and then that being a news story. Well, the reason that matters because our culture, our mental model of our culture in our culture is like to be obsessed with success and CEOs and them doing really crazy things or innovative things. Right. So then there's another image uh, or another uh, iceberg analogy in, in like user experience design. And that's like, you know, the UI or the user interface is the tip of the iceberg. Like and at the you know very bottom is, you know, valuable. It, it's a valuable, you know, problem to solve for the user right a viable business model right so i i I got i I feel like that applies to any sort of um technical endeavor i mean you could Mm. you could apply that to almost anything Mm. wood cutting building an application building a house like apply it to building an application that's what you know okay um have a user log in. That's that's what you see above the water. Mm-hmm. And then there is mm-hmm. how you're going to host the app. Mm-hmm. What authentication algorithms you're going to use? Are you going to use a predefined software? Mm-hmm. What type of forms? What language yeah. or framework? Like yeah. that's all shit underneath the water for yeah. a register, like a login form. Right. Well, I mean, but I think I think that applies to anything. Right. But I think it's also a useful diagram, or it's a diagram that I've found to be useful because when I look at a, a user interface, I go. Mm. Like I, I, I work my way down through the iceberg. Right. And then you finally, you get to the bottom. And it's like, what, what is this person trying to do? Like, what's this, what's the value here? What's their motivation to like get through these things? Right. This, this UI. Um, but I, I actually don't want to talk about this cause you're, you're going to get, you're going to get, it's going to be upsetting for you. It's it really fine. Is. You're already going. I'm on oh, okay. board. I was okay. actually, I was actually um, sitting here patting myself on the back because I was thinking about the mouse analogy I gave you mm. of the way that you think and mm. like everything you're describing is just fitting that mouse analogy so perfectly. Well, it's, uh, but I, I don't know if it is. I, I think the thing is, is that like I have the, I have the iceberg as a useful tool. It's a tool that I use to 
You are the Titanic. Understand and diagnose. <laughs> <laughs> and these um, icebergs are going to bring you down. I saw this meme that was like <laughs> Joe Biden. It was the it was the Titanic scene where they're Jack's behind Rose holding her at the front of the ship. And it's Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. And he's Jack. And then <laughs> the second half is uh, Annie Coney Barrett. And she's the face. She's a face on an iceberg. And it's like, uh, it's so good. That's like such funny. a, yeah. Um, so, uh, I have this, I have this theory that, um, you know, what we're, we're right now we're human beings and we're interfacing with each other and, uh, we are seeing, um, the very tip of the iceberg that I think that behind all of it is Jesus is, is, is spirituality. Yeah. Is um did I actually guess right that you were going to go down the Jesus hole? Spiritual, yeah, it's a spiritual argument. It's not just Jesus. Well, for you, it is. Uh, maybe. So, um, like I'm, I'm more trying to think about like, okay, what are the layers behind, you know, (sighs) beneath the surface here of this? Because you know, if if you think about our, I think the human activity that we do, like right now, we're you and I are dealing with each other's out external presence right and and what's what's coming out of our mouths is our internal like we have to literally form a thought like talking is forming thoughts right and this is this is a tough thing to do because there's feelings and impressions and 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 layers of things inside of me that are trying to get out and i'm trying to find a a word right or a series of words which are just really a series of symbols um to communicate a concept to you Right. Yeah, that's uh, language. Right. Well, I, right, but it, it's 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 not just language. It's it's the process we go through. Like that's the answer that I don't like because it takes for granted language. Like I feel like I feel like I feel like there's so many things I'm discovering as a, an adult going. Why do we take that for granted? Are you like, high like, on mushrooms right now? Like things like democracy. Like think about the things we take for granted. Like we want to reinvent, you know, the left wants to reinvent democracy or, or completely get rid of capitalism or what. And it's like we don't critically look at things that are, you know, and this is a, there's a term. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think right? both of those were straw men. What do you mean? Of the the Democratic Party in general. Oh, far left. OK. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that could lead us into talking about Andrew Yang. But are, are you more of a fan of him now? Um, I like what he's talking about currently. I, I I think if you had listened to a lot of his speeches, like I had, you would also be as big of a fan of him as I was. Sure. The thing is, whenever he talks, he just makes sense. Yeah. Like he has a lot of ideas that are so cheery that are kind of, yeah, he's very optimistic, which is appealing. Yeah. Um, especially considering politics, but you you hear him talk about is like, I want every post office to have a bank in it. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's a, a why, why did you even waste time talking about that? And then he's like, well, it's so, you know, people in poor areas have access to banks and it's not like expensive. It's like, okay, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. But he's, and he has a thousand little ideas like that where right. when you hear them, it's like, oh, that's, he really thinks about this stuff. Well, uh, but I think what he's, he's, he's seeing, he's seeing above the system. So like what he's seeing it spiritually. Well, no, no, no. What, like, think about this though. Okay. Like, Think about all the think about current politicians, Lindsey Graham, Nancy Pelosi, um, you know, left and right, whatever. They're caught up. They're too embedded. Like they're worried about their reputations. They're they're they they are they're they have blinders on, and that's the system, right, of government. How it's done. Oh, we've never done it that way. 
Why would we do it any other way? Like, what are you trying to do? Like, they're trying to get a bill through, and that's completely lost its its um, the that way of thinking about it. I think to them is like they're not getting a bill across anymore. They're winning an argument, and and they're they're also considering their public persona. And I hope my constituents see that I'm I'm trying to do what's best for them, which is I don't really know what's best for them because I'm so deluded that I get reports about what people care about. I've lost passion, right? And I watched uh, an interview with Andrew Yang, and he like you know he was he was on video, and they they let him into the you know whatever they're like, hey Andrew's here, and he was he was talking with two um, correspondents from the Hill. And he's like, hey, you guys, hey, what's up, Crystal, Sager, oh, hey, uh, really good to see you guys, you guys are so important, like, it's awesome that you're here, like, da-da. and I'm like, my God, like, he's not waiting for someone to ask him an important question, he's just like, what's up, like, I'm, I'm here, this is great, um, great to talk to you guys, blah, 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 and uh, anyway, I've kind of shifted over a little bit from what I was talking about, but like, his, his very, his very spirit, I think his very, like, excitement and enthusiasm is so anathema to politics because politics is a okay soul sucking soul sucking this is going to take a year let's just look just dig your heels in no compromise part of it could be is he he's not a politician totally yes a lot of the people who have been in politics have had their souls sucked right and i also don't think he's a lawyer i mean he's he's no he he doesn't have a law background either he's an entrepreneur right and and what he was going over was um, how the same counties or the same spots in Ohio and Iowa uh, that voted for Trump or vote that voted for, um, uh, I think it was Obama in 2008, voted for Trump in 2016. And now in 2020. Oh, really? Yeah. And he's like, people are scared of automation and losing their jobs. And Trump is going to, you know, Trump is there stalwart he's their bulwark against like being irrelevant and losing their jobs and he says he is he says yeah 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 he's a yeah 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 he's everything to everybody he's a he's a billionaire he's a he's a he's the most savvy trader stockbroker whatever um but i got sad when i andrew yang completely emotionally captured me right there i think um I think that's interesting, and maybe we talk about that for a bit. Is like, I feel like that's something we really need to figure out: is what about Trump is so appealing? How, how could someone really like Barack Obama, yeah, and then really like Trump, yeah? And I'm not even saying like, you know, tr- Trump is terrible and Obama's good. I'm not yeah. even saying that. I'm yeah. just saying like, you set the two next to each other; they're very different people. But something about both of them yeah. was alluring to this demographic, or right. something in our country changed right. to make that shift necessary right and so i was thinking more about sam harris's theory and i i listened to it a couple more times because it was short enough to Mm -hmm. try to digest and i think his theory is a bit like mine but maybe a bit more nuanced because it wasn't just that like trump absolves people of all shame it was that he's not judging you and he brought up this point which i didn't catch for is he's saying um the left says you and me were both white cis males yep. so that means we're racist yeah everything we have in our life isn't justified we're right. privileged right um you know we're 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 oppressors right you know we are all of these super negative things and you and i might go like that's not us right but yet we're being told and 
I've been told like this by friends and coworkers who mm-hmm. say it a little bit in jest, but then they say there's truth to it, you know? Yeah. You know, we're men, we're paid more than we should be. We're white. So we're all have all these privilege and, you know, we're straight. So we don't have to deal with any of this oppression. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think there's something to that because I know when, when I'm accused of like, I'm, I'm keeping people down or I'm the problem. I find it offensive because I, I consider myself a good person. I mean, I have my problems, Yeah. but I think to society, I'm not a detriment. I consider myself a bonus. I don't hurt society. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I volunteer for things. I care about people. Yeah. I care about my neighbors, care about my society. I don't try to do anything to hurt people. Yeah. And I've never done anything specifically to keep anyone down. Mm-hmm. And then, then, well, it might be, well, it's a system. Well, I have no fucking control over that. Yeah. So I'm being made to feel guilty over something I can do nothing about. Yeah. And so that part of me, it, it really resonates when someone like Trump is like, fuck all these people. Yeah. That's not your fault. Yeah. That's not you. Yeah. You didn't do that. Right. I'm the least racist person in the room, which is hilariously stupid when he says yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. But, like... How many times have you heard someone like, oh, you're Trump supporter? Are you racist? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like that that reaction mm-hmm. of saying anyone who supports Trump is racist or homophobic or, you know, hates immigrants. It's 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 a very powerful meme. Mm-hmm. And I don't I'm sure look, I'm sure there there's a subset who are, but you can say the same thing about people on the left. Like there mm-hmm. are people on the left who hate capitalism and they they want to have completely open borders and they want, you know, they want to have the country be socialist. Sure. Yep. And a very small percentage of people on the left, that's probably true. And there probably are a very small percentage of people on the right who are racist. Mm-hmm. There's people on the left who are racist. Mm-hmm. I think caring more about race than anything else is racist. Right. Um, but I don't know. So I think from that perspective, I get why people can like Trump. You know what I mean? So I don't know if that's the reason, but I really like, I want to get Trump people in here and I want to talk yeah. to them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I think there's some semblance of that. I think that's the actual, that, that's probably one of the like boots on the ground or the, the actual causal mechanisms, what you're talking about. Cause like, I mean, I, I'm sure there's people just like, oh, I'm Republican. I always vote Republican, yeah. but there's those swing voters, like the ones who went for Obama yeah. and those swing voters who then went for Trump. Right. Like. What is it? Well, in them? what it is is in 2008. I, 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 I can't remember if Yang was talking about 2008 or 2012, the Obama votes, probably 2012. But anyway, it, it wasn't necessarily about the two indicators. It was about what what changed. What was the change? Right. Um, and I think with Obama, or at least as far as I can remember, I was still in college when he was first elected and um, then was, in, you know, got out of got out of school and was kind of in the workforce in his second election and didn't really care, didn't vote for him, whatever. Um, but I remember there being a lot of talk about, like, oh, wait, it was like hope, like hope. Well, this is hope. Wasn't that his platform? Yeah, like hope, hope, hope and change. change, hope and yeah. change, yeah. And, uh, and then second election was like, we're no, this time it's really going to be hope. Like, really, guys, like hope for sure he's going to get it. Like it's gonna be hope, and well, that that's just as silly as Trump's slogan, right? I know. Keep America yeah, yeah, great, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think people saw that what hope meant was a sh- shrinking middle class, like jobs disappearing, um, nothing changing about NAFTA, about about anything that impacted middle class America. He just started playing politics. I think there was the hope and change. 
hope and change, right? You heard hope and change. Okay, this means hope and change, right? Well, and and I think Obama's tactics or his strategy, I think it was more his strategy, was like, okay, uh, we are going to work on changing the broken things, okay? And then all of a sudden it became this like, well, the roots of America are, are racist. Like I remember a specific quote in his speech that he said was like, racism is in our DNA, right? And it, there became this like, he said that. Oh yeah, he there. The, it became like this. Like, I don't know exactly what it has to do with the middle class, but it was just sort of like, what are you doing? Like, he made he made an enemy out of out of I think the concept of America. Like he was like, we need to go after. It became about identity politics. He sort of ginned up that vote and that ire, and then um, that didn't start with him. Uh, no, no, but he fed it for sure. He dumped gas on it and. Um, then nothing really changed for the middle class. And so I imagine there was people that were like, I voted for him. And he said, things were going to change. Like, okay, I guess we'll vote for him again. And, and, you know, what's funny is that like, I'm sure there were people who voted for him twice and then were like, I'm going to vote for Trump. And now they're being called racists when it really was just like, I didn't see change in my life. You know, I didn't like, I voted for two, uh, two terms. I voted for a black president. And now I'm voting for Orange Man because there's going to be some change. But here's the here's the thing they do. Okay, here's what Trump did: is he, I think that Obama alienated the middle class. I think he probably made promises to them and then he alienated them over his two terms. And then Trump said, "Screw the left, screw the elites, screw them. Like they, you don't need them. Okay, I'm not elite." He, he that was that that he was the ideal. He's the everyman and also the no one at the same time. But it was like his whole thing. You know, I, I have I have relatives who are like, I like that he sticks it to the elites and the media is finally getting the shit that they've given up. The, the all the crap, all the opinions, the talking heads, all the crap for all that time, and now it's like he's sticking it to him. And I think that was the change. I think he I think Obama alienated and then Trump alienated the people who alienated. OK, uh, I'm going to lay out my theory. I, I think you and I, our theories kind of line up on the Trump side, but I don't think I don't know enough about the Obama, really. I, I don't think this started with Obama. So the the whole like white left. The, no, no, like, no. The, I, I So and so this is just I don't know if there's any evidence behind this, but I would guess if you were to look at America over time the middle class are shrinking. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Uh, so the, the middle class is shrinking. Mm -hmm. uh, the richer are getting richer. Well, and maybe by shrinking, I don't mean, I don't mean there's less middle class. I mean, the wealth held in the middle class is becoming less. Yeah. And the wealth held in the 10% and the 1% is just exponentially growing. Well, you have a, you have a growing lower class. Yeah. You have also have a growing poor class as yes. well. So I think that has been happening for years, well beyond Obama, well beyond Trump well beyond George W., beyond Clinton. I think this has been happening for probably 40 years where wealth has just been centralizing up in these 10 and 1%, and the middle class has been getting devalued over time, and the poor communities are getting poorer. And so I think, and remember, this is just my opinion, but mm. to, to me this makes sense. I think Obama was seen as a very inspirational person. Hell yeah, he the was. The way he spoke, the yeah. way he held himself, everything about yeah. him was inspirational. Yeah. Like. He was such a great speaker. He had good messages, and I think he inspired people um, to think maybe the country could be better. And then under Obama, shockingly, 
those things I described, those didn't change. Yeah. Because the way the capitalism in our in, in this country works is it takes big piles of money and it makes them bigger, mm-hmm. and it takes small piles of money and makes them smaller. Hmm. There's not really a middle ground. Like people in the middle can kind of keep surviving, but if your piles of money aren't getting bigger or smaller, then you're still you're still be you're still in the middle. You're not really going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then so things didn't change. Then Trump comes along and he's like fuck all these systems that are keeping you down yeah so with you i agree he's shoving his finger in the nose and he is the epitome of the problems in this country yeah but the fact that he was calling out he's like fuck the media yeah fuck these big businesses fuck our government everyone's like yeah all right yeah yeah yeah, i'm on board with that and you're like fuck the people who say that you're racist and you're you're bigots and you're bad people he didn't outright defend the wealthy no and so it's I, I, I think it's that in context of in our country, wealth is being accumulated and the middle class is being devalued. Yeah. And and those jobs that the middle class has, those opportunities are shrinking mm-hmm. because we aren't to give Trump credit. We aren't doing manufacturing. I don't think he's done much. He hasn't really made yeah. any of his promises yeah. um, because companies are going to go where they're legally obligated, which is. They are legally obligated to make their shareholders the most money possible. Yep. And the way they do that is through offshoring. Right. And if you're not offshoring, you could potentially be sued because right. you're costing your shareholders value. Right. And that's just a problem with how the the motivations for organizations in our country are set up. Mm-hmm. So from a company's perspective, they're doing what they are legally required to do. Because I remember when Elon Musk was talking about how he was getting in a lot of trouble for Tesla because they weren't turning a profit. Okay. But their stock was insane. And everyone's like, this is way overvalued. They haven't turned a profit in two years. And he's like, I'm still building a gigafactory and I'm planning two more in the world. And he's like, I'm building all these manufacturing chains. I'm not going to turn a profit. I'm investing. He's he's doing basically what Amazon does. He has all this money in, but he's spending it all. Right. And they're like, oh, you got to make a profit. So I think this year he was profitable all year. And then last year it was a big deal because he had to be profitable. Who says this? The SEC? Um, it's, or shareholders? It's like, uh, the, like Moody's, the rating companies, and the short sellers. Like they want you to be profitable because they want to devalue your stock and short sell it. And um, basically they're telling the shareholders he's not running the company properly is mm. ultimately what it comes down to. Got it. And that was when he got in trouble because he started talking about taking the company private. Yeah. You remember when he got in deep shit for that? No. It's because he didn't want to be beholden to these fucking shareholders because yeah. he was talking about how it's so short-sighted that I need to make profit right now yeah. instead of making decisions that can give us profit in the future. Right. But that is what companies are required to do. Right. And he was kind of pointing that out as like, this is stupid. The decisions we're making are best for the future of the company. Right. Not for the right now. Right, right. And that's not how things are set up. It's a short game, yeah. So it's also, so again, I see mental models. So events are, oh, Elon's doing all this stuff. Well, we don't like that. Well, why don't you like it? Because the mental model, our culture is all about short gains. Our laws. Our laws. Well, our culture makes our laws. Um, And so. Our corporations make our laws. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I feel like the no brainer for me is in terms of analyzing and understanding why the middle class is shrinking. So it's just poor people with wealthy people on top is we exported manufacturing. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's gone. Like we don't do that anymore. And the thing is not only that our culture devalues manufacturing. Yes. So I have always thought, you know, okay, always like last five years, 10 years is like, the new manufacturing is going to be 
creating the algorithms and doing the work that's going to put you out of work. Yes. Okay? So eventually none of us will have jobs. And then the algorithms will put those people out of work too. Right. And, and then the only people who have money are the ones who own the companies right. who run the algorithms. Right. And there's going to be a concentration of like I don't think we I mean I don't think we are seeing fortunes that we've seen. And they they're just going to keep growing. Like imagine if you know, uh, OpenAI or Amazon or Google gets their first real AI mm-hmm. or even decent AI that mm-hmm. can, you can just give it, be like, hey, um, w- uh, how do we increase average lifespan in the country? And it just does all the research and it pops out an answer. Like, best cost effective way to increase lifespan. Like, imagine an AI that could do that. Holy shit, trillionaire overnight. Yeah. Like, the thought of that is insane. Like, it doesn't have to be like a general AI work and have conversations and emotions and feelings. It could just be an incredible problem solver that could dynamically digest information and give you the best logical output, mm-hmm. right? Yep. That would be game-changing, and then you're going to see your first trillionaires, and then, you know, think about something that could accurately predict the stock market, and then all the people who do stocks are out of business, right? Yep. Um, and then uh, we have something that can... We already have AIs that can read um, x-rays better than humans. Okay. They can detect um, cancers more accurately. Those already exist. Yep. Um, they'll be able to diagnose people better. Right. So at some point, are we going to need doctors, or are we just going to have nurses that do the talking, and then there's an AI that is your doctor? Right. You give it your results, it looks you over, runs some algorithms, and it says, you know, hey, make these changes to your life. You'll get five extra years if you follow this plan, and then right. the nurse talks you through things. Right. Like, that's not far-fetched. Sure. And then in IT, those are going to go to all of these jobs are just going to start getting knocked out. Yep. Um. And so I, I, I don't know. I guess what I was trying to do originally was just understand exactly how we got here. Oh, do you know that Obama's half-brother is like an insane Trump supporter? Oh, yeah, yeah. His yeah. name's like um you, you you showed me his Twitter page. It's and, and I asked you if it was a joke. I know. It's not. He's real. Yeah, yeah. it's real. It, it's uh, it's bizarre. He's a Kenyan. Um and so uh I think that we have so this is what will happen, I predict, with the Biden presidency. Okay. I, I think he'll be president, first of all. Uh and there's going to be talk of a lot of big new things. Um, Green New Deals may be on the table, um, a lot of insane taxation. I think we're going to try to tackle climate change and all these things. Um, Those will, if they don't get stopped up in the Senate, they will at least uh, trigger a bunch of uh, offshore um, tax havens for the wealthy. And so that's going to escape. You have corporations that are going to completely reshell their businesses so that that money goes out um do you want then, me to, to interject at all or wait uh, until hold on done? and then and then you're gonna have another bottoming out of the poor and so you'll have you know like right now i'm probably middle class my job could be in jeopardy at some point because of the upcoming economy um and, and so and you're not very useful right i mean that's that's a secondary point Sorry. Um, I do a lot of things that don't do anything, uh, that have no effect. Um, and so, uh, nobody does more useless things than me. Right. So the bottoming out of the next wave of people, um, is going to cause just utter devastation. And, uh, 
the wealthy will get to retain their wealth. Um, Joe Biden will... The wealthy will get richer. Right. We'll get richer. And I don't know exactly how, but that'll happen. Probably because... um, They'll sell stocks before it crashes. And then as it starts to recover, they'll reinvest and they'll get 10 times their money back. Great returns. Yeah. Um, So then... Just like they did in 08. But the thing is, here's the thing, is that Biden... Biden and Kamala will just perpetuate. It's just it's just going to be Trump looking nicer. Like it's just going to be it's going to be Trump with like I saw this meme that's like a bomber and it's like Republic or yeah, it's like uh, it's like the Republicans and it was a bomber dropping bombs and it's like corporations and it's a bomber dropping bombs with like a pride flag and like a communist flag on it. And like it's, it's just a new wrapper for like the same old stuff. Um, but what, getting back to Yang, what I see with Yang is he now has, I don't know if he's uncancelable, but like he has the ability to speak out and say, look, we are headed towards a cliff and, um, we're not solving the problems that need to be solved because the system just keeps running. It just keeps running. Like you need to be able to stop the factory and go, whoa, how do we rethink how this all maps out? Do we even need this factory? Like that's a question we need to ask, but no one wants to, because the factory in itself is the factory is completely embedded and investing invested in its own existence, right? Those who make the laws are the ones who make laws. They make the laws about how themselves and how that stuff gets handled and the, how these things work, which is primarily corporations and lobbyists. I think so. Yeah. And it's, so it's been proven. So, okay. And uh, Yang said today, like, he's like, he's like, there's a cartoon out there, but essentially it was like, or he's like an onion article that said, Oh, Americans hire their own lobbyist. Like American people hire lobbyists. And he's like, that's kind of what they need. Like who is looking out for Americans? No one. He's like, I'll, ha- I'm happy to do that. Like I'll become their lobbyist. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he had a book behind him in his, in the interview that was like, I think it was like the war on normal people or regular people, or which something is like his that. book. His which book, is very yeah, good. it is. Okay, yeah, um, you've read it. Yeah, okay. I listened to the Audible version, but yeah, I listened to the whole. Got thing. it. Um, and uh, he read it. It's really good. Like I, I see in him a way of rethinking these things because w- what I've determined, I'll go into a theory real quick, and then we'll I'll depart from that. But when problems are created, like when you're doing something. Um, say like you're working on marketing. Well, a lot of your work when you're working on marketing is communicating what it is you're actually trying to do and also doing the work that you're doing, right? So how often is it that you do something, Matt, and then you have to explain what it is you did to a stakeholder? Go, okay, well, this is what I did. This is why it matters. And here's Almost all the, every day. Oh, here's the thing I did, right? So, so 60% of your work was doing the thing. Another 40% is communicating it, why it even matters, why it, you know why you thought about it a certain way. Well, that's the system we've created. Everyone continues to do politics because that's what you do is politics. And well, in order, do you know how much work it would be to rethink it? And what's great about Yang, this is almost maybe a blessing that he didn't get elected because he, he would have to slow down and start tackling all this stuff. I think he can keep going. Cause he's like a rocket. Like I think he could keep circling all of this stuff and going, I don't have to deal with any of this shit. I'm going to reinvent it from the outside. And it's like, because he just gets clogged up. He would just get clogged up being being a, an official, a, a, an elected official. It would just be a mess. And, and the thing is, the last thing you see, want 
is Yang getting caught up in the system? He because in order to reinvent the system, you have to be outside of it. And I think he's starting to do st- things like that. I just hope he gets enough traction. But only the system can reinvent itself. No, I, I don't think it has the capability of doing that. Well, then the only way is to basically destroy our country and rebuild it. Again I, w- I think that's up. dramatic. I think it, I think well, it's rethinking. I think it's rethinking some key incentives. I think one of them right now. You but could the, completely the only change. way to change the laws is through the laws we have. That's Correct. foundational. Correct. So if. I agree with you to a point that he is more open to explore ideas and communicate in a very open way when he's not in politics. Yeah. But as far as implementing anything yeah. other than just talking to people, you have to go through the system, which is that's how the system is set up. Right. It is self-perpetuating in that way. My sister-in-law had a great story. So my in-laws couldn't get in Norway, right? Because of the coronavirus ban. Um, they weren't allowing Americans in. And uh, my sister-in-law's like, uh, found out there's a petition going around because there's expatriates, Americans in uh, Norway who want to have grandparents come visit, you know, exact same situation as her. And she signed the petition that got a thousand petition or thousand signatures. And then the PM's like, okay, uh, well, we're going to let Americans in. And it's like, what is, why can't that be some well, path forward? Do you remember when Obama made change.org? Mm, which no. was literally a site you could go and petition Oh. the uh, executive branch okay. to like, you could come any idea and then people could go and upvote it. Really? Yeah. Change.org. It's still around. Hopefully Biden co-ops it. All right. So um, I, I want to talk what I think a Biden Harris presidency is going to look like. Totally. Um, Love it. So I still think we have an economic crash that is coming okay. from COVID. Yep. Like if you think about right now, um, the unemployment numbers have been insane this whole year. And the stock market hasn't crashed. Yep. Every other time in history when unemployment has been this high, the stock market is fucking tanked. What's unemployment right now? Uh, it's better now. I think it's only, it's down to 6%. Yep. Um, but long-term unemployment is way up. Okay. So like some of the jobs are coming back, but those jobs that were lost, they don't think they're coming back. People have it's left the workforce. Yeah, some people are leaving the workforce or they just can't get back in. Yep. Um, but like... You know, restaurants and waiters and stuff like that who's like, hey, you got to go home for a couple weeks. They're back. It's 7%. Yeah. 7% right now. Okay. Because I think at Hyde it was like 11 or 12, which is incredibly high. Yeah. What is that? It was 14%. Yeah. Well, which, I, I hear stuff like that, and I'm like, oh, that's terrible. And then I look at Greece during the 2008-2009 crash, and they were at 35%. Yeah, well, and they they had to be saved by almost the entire EU. Yep. Gave just shit tons of money to them, mostly Germany, yep. to try to keep their entire country from going right. under. So the fact the stock market's been so high makes no sense looking at history. At some point, whatever was holding it up is going to go away, and the mm. whole thing's going to crash. Okay. That's not going to be Biden's fault or Trump's fault. If, I think if okay. either of them were going to stay president, that would happen. Yeah. So there's going to be a crash coming. I think what Biden and Harris are going to do is not much. Yeah. I don't think they're going to do much. Yep. I think they are going to be more of the same. Biden's whole thing is he doesn't want to rock the boat. I think he's going to try to reinforce um, Obamacare, mm-hmm. maybe call it Biden care. You know, he's probably going to try to bring the mandate back, maybe try to make it better. I don't even yep. know what that means. He's probably yep. just going to make it the same. Yeah. Because um, Trump care was Obamacare minus the mandate, and Biden care is just going to be the mandate back. Yeah. yeah. Probably. And then um, I maybe he'll raise taxes on corporations, but not by much. Obama even though he's a Democrat was very pro corporation. He yep. didn't really raise taxes that much. So right. th- that's kind of a meme. Um, he might do it on small to medium businesses, which is a problem. Right. So I'm not a fan of that. Well, but hold that's on. Probably what Back do. up. What do you think is going to cause this crash? Uh, I, I think we're due a crash right now. The stock market is overinflated 
for no explanation. Mm-hmm. If like if you were to go back in history and look at unemployment and the stock market, they're directly correlated. Yeah. So right now, something is keeping them apart, and it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why that's happening. Okay. But uh, I I I have some theories about this, but keep keep going with. So I Obama don't know. was pro corporation. Yeah, I mean. So I, I don't think Biden Harris is going to like already. He has said he's not going to do any crazy left ideas. He's going to try to compromise. And AOC has already been publicly seen threatening him that he oh, needs to. Oh God! Do, yeah, she needs to calm down. No, she's been like, oh, he's going to do these green new deals, and we need to go more liberal because that's what people want. We can't stay middle of the yeah, road. Yeah, he's yeah. already like, whoa, slow down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, his whole that's thing great. is he's just cool Joe, middle of the road, every every man president. Yeah, I don't think he's going to do shit. Yeah. I think he's going to maybe bring some stimulus back, right? Mm-hmm. He, he, maybe he'll do some mandates or something for coronavirus. Yeah. I don't think he's going to do much. Yeah. I think he's going to elect all the officials he's supposed to. He's going to be a completely unremarkable president. Okay. I, in I'm every fine way, with that. He's gonna I'm be fine with that. Yeah. He, yeah. he is going to change nothing. Yeah. He's going to invent nothing. Yeah. He's going to be rememberable for no reason. Yeah. That's what I think. Right. So, like, these fears. And his name is Kamala Harris. She is going to have no power over him yep. unless he dies or ends yeah. up in a nursing home. Yeah. She's not going to sway him. Yeah. Because the reason, man, it, it's just like why, why people wanted Hillary over Bernie is because they like, Oh, someone that liberal can never get elected. Yeah. That's why they wanted Joe. Like, mm. I, I don't think people like Joe. Maybe mm. they do. I don't know. He doesn't seem like a bad guy, but he's, there's nothing remarkable about him. Like, right. I don't think he's going to do anything remarkable. Right. I think, I wonder who's going to get credited for the vaccine. Because that's like, they're figuring out how to distribute it. Well, there, there's already like six companies who have phase three trials underway. and No, f- there's one that's done. Pfizer. Pfizer, yeah. 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 F- it's done. Pfizer released that like um, the however long, the three-month trial, it's 90% effective yes. and they're doing longer trials. Yeah, now. and I saw an article today. They're like, how are we going to start distributing this? Let's get it out. And there's another company in UK that's really far into their phase three trials. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it, now, the, now, they're probably all going to be Russia. released. They're probably all going to be released, and then they'll see what's most effective is over that, time. So is that Trump? No, it's not Trump. It isn't? No. What is it? it it's those companies. But I mean, it's, it's didn't the scientists. He, who, who lifted the FDA, like, all the slog? Because like, when this all started, it was like, it takes 10 years minimum. Several to... of these are companies not in the U.S. Like I know, but Pfizer is. Trump, or, yeah, Pfizer is, but that's one of, like, five. I mean, the U.S. government already pre-purchased, like... A hundred million doses of of this company out of the UK. I just want to know who is it? Moderna. Yeah, Moderna. Okay, yeah, that's the one I, in the UK. I just want to know what, why trials like it's like. Oh, we've reinvented the trial process. This is awesome. It's also emergency use, I think. But it's like, why aren't we doing this all the fucking time? Like, what? Why? Why would it take ten years to get a like? That is a, a good question. There's a great piece on uh, that Audible has on Fauci that's like. He so this is this goes against all the deep state narrative. I, I, I think you actually mentioned this before, where he removed some policy yep. from people getting yep. this HIV drug. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and it saved tons of lives. Right. Um. Yeah. He he removed all the red tape. You need someone like Elon Musk running the FDA. Oh my God! Like I I posted on Instagram <laughs> the other day. I can barely get a house project started, and he's going to. Uh, there was a, there was a Bloomberg article that's like Elon's putting forty thousand. Um. Uh satellites into, into orbit, yeah. orbit low space orbit i can't get my uh, i can't i have to blow off my patio <laughs> and he's what does he have now six companies like all doing you know yeah, the various several. states but like 
killing. He has made the electric car amazing and affordable. Um, oh, that reminds me. You also brought up under Biden Harris, like they're going to take on global warming. And yeah. people made a big deal of what he said about like oil. Yeah. He has a very normal, educated view on how we're going to get away from yeah. like fossil fuels. It's not day one, shut down everything right. fossil fuel related. Right, right, right. It's like, Maybe we invest in green energy and we cut subsidies for oil. Sure. We don't stop any production. That's great. And the whole thing against fracking, yeah. that's only on federal land. Right. Only on federal land. Right. And he's never said about stopping fracking anywhere not on federal right. land. So, like, it's all just, like, memes and garbage. And right now, solar is cheaper than oil. We need... For power. We need a way to... I just had an idea. We need a way to visualize all of this stuff for millennials because I talk to people... And when I say I talk to people, I talk to myself <laughs> about this, and I don't understand. There are many. I don't understand politics. Okay, I don't understand how we do these things and why it is so. Like, if you think about a little diagram of a person and all the things related to their life—food, sleep, health, sex, sex, uh, uh, housing—all these things. These are all things that we deal with that that are issues that we have in our everyday life. What are the constants? And how do we get more of a hold on, like, the issues that we need to talk about as humans, right? Or as Americans, right? I, I just don't—I don't even know how to start to think about energy. Like, I don't really know all the big issues. I don't know the big debates, like, all this stuff. But anyway, um, because most of the real critical issues aren't actually talked about. It's talking about how we talk about them. Right? I, um, I, I think this is another area where Yang really shines because he, he, he talks about changing it from first principles, you know, yep. what does success of the country look like? Yeah. GDP? No. Average Quality lifespan. Life. Yeah. How many people are on mental medication? Right. How many people are in jail? Right. How many people are currently addicted to drugs? It's called KPIs. How many people are getting college degrees? Right. But it's like, it's not, it's not GDP. It's the health of the society. Right. So I think, I think if you have a shift in perspective or first principles, then as a society, we start to like investigate those questions more. And then it's like, well, how do we keep people out of prison? I Why are people going to prison? I just came up with a, I think GDP stands for God, they pudgy. Gross domestic pudgy. <laughs> Gross <laughs> domestic pudgy. I like that you were like pr all business and then party at the end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, okay. So what I, what okay. I forgot what I was going to say. Um, uh, icebergs. Am no, I right? Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> um, hey. You all right? Uh, you have a stroke? Uh, uh, oh, this, okay, this is where I'll go. I, I don't see, he, I, I'm still, <laughs> I, I'm still unsure of a crash, an economic crash. Okay. Now, when I, after I got my economics degree. Okay. Um, which I also have one. Right, right, right. Uh, YouTube University. Yeah. All right. Same. Yeah. yeah. You dummy. It was ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's a certification. You haven't taken it yet. It's, it's in your backlog of it's, thousand it's, other it, Udemy courses. It's starred. It's one of my starred <laughs> courses to take. Like I starred it. Um, I hearted it. Uh, no, but um, I did watch. <laughs> <laughs> you watched a YouTube video. Yeah. So Harvard. It was a Harvard YouTube video. Um, oh, sorry. It was Harvard's. I apologize it for, was it, for it, accusing your credentials. It was Harvard's um, YouTube profile. Uh, no, but um, so what? It just said what type of 
okay, why was the 2008-2009 crash so bad? Do you know? Um, what was the cause of why it was so steep, so 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 difficult? Uh, well, I think I can try to give you my bastardized logic from what I Whatever, heard yeah. from Matt Taibbi's book. Yeah, is they were taking all of these mortgages, which weren't weren't worth what they had been sold for, yeah. and then they were being resold multiple times again. Right. And so you would have something worth X amount of dollars that would have been resold up to six or eight times. Yep. Which from a loss perspective would be six to eight times what the value is. So all of your investment money isn't backed. So yep. there's no actual resources to back your investments. And that got so big that when their investment started to fail, there was nothing that they could fall back right. to. And they just went but under. What was the systemic effect of that on, let's say, the lending system? Um, I don't, I don't think Obama did anything. I okay, mean, they, so, they talked about more oversight, but I don't think they did anything. So, so here, here's the thing. The reason that that the crash was so bad, like I always, I always, I I went over and over and over all this stuff. I watched, uh, oh God, the Big Short. I watched a documentary with Matt Damon that he talked about, you know, whatever. I I thought about all this stuff and like Freddie May and wait, Fannie Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And what happened was, yes, you're you're right about all the stuff about that Taibbi talks about. But what happened is 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 what no one ever talks about, and that is how did it hit the banking system. Like the actual, like, I'm a business owner. I need to make payroll. Um, I need to get a loan to make payroll. Well, banks quit lending money, okay? So you sh- you had no way to get credit. Like, you just had no way to get money. I also remember Matt TV talking about, I forget which company, but it could have been one of the, the, the Freddie Fannie or another one of these giant banks. But he was saying that they were taking out $80 billion loans almost every day mm-hmm. to make payroll. And mm-hmm. then the next day, they would take out a $90 billion loan. Mm-hmm. They'd pay off the $80 billion, mm-hmm. and then they'd make payroll for that day. Yeah. The next day, they take out a $100 billion yeah. loan. It's yeah. like they're making no money. They're taking out loans every single day in these insane amounts of money yeah. because they it looked like they had the resources to back those loans. Okay. Okay. I don't, I don't know what – yeah, I don't know about that story. But like essentially on the ground is you can't you, – you couldn't go get a loan from a bank. Because the, the all the assets were so toxic that banks weren't willing to start lending them out. Like it was just like we don't want because there's systems of exchange. Like you and I are a bank, and I want to lend to Coach. Coach is coming and asking me for a loan. Well, I, I don't want to get money from you to get a loan because there's all these systems of like, hey, exchange me this, you know, lend me this, you lend me, I'll lend you this, and then there's a tiny percentage. There's, there's billions of those transactions going on, right? Well. No one, everything stopped to a halt because it's like, you might have a toxic asset. And if you sell that to me, I don't want it because that's going to make, I'm going to be a holder of a toxic asset. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means I don't have any money to lend a coach like shit. Okay. So the lending system stopped. Well, that meant businesses collapsed. Like I can't get a loan to make payroll. I can't open up a new product line. I can't, I can't buy a new building. I can't, it all stopped. And then it just, it just all of a sudden, massive, massive, uh, layoff stuff like that. That's that, well, that, hold on, go back to the, the crash. Uh, I think there's a crash in 87. There's a, the big one, 1929, great depression. What happened was there was a bank run. So people started to freak out because the stock market started crashing. People went and got all their money out of banks. Okay. Same thing. The lending system stopped. Okay. What's different about this crisis is that we are not in a le- we don't have a credit crisis. There's tons of money. 
There's tons of money to be lent. It's that we can't manufacture anything because of coronavirus. So you can't get it. So say that say that you've got a bunch a bunch of pent up demand. Coach, there's a million people like Coach that wants to buy mattresses, right? Well, I own a mattress company. I've got loans up the wazoo to pay my staff to buy materials to go do all this stuff. I can't get my staff in the building. I can't get them in the building to manufacture the damn things. So that's why you see all the money that Coach want, and all the millions of other people that want to spend on mattresses is going to Amazon, right? They're like, oh, God, where am I going to get a mattress? I guess I'll go to Amazon, right? And uh, so that's the big thing that we're in. And I, I don't see – I haven't gone any farther than like, okay, we have tons of cash. We're fine that way. We can't manufacture. Okay, that's a problem. But like really there's layoffs because people can't do stuff – that it there's there's demand there's tons of demand and there's tons of cash it's just that people can't make the things so it's like i don't know how we're gonna crash just yet so that's that's why i'm like i think you're seeing correlations between data and going okay this pattern has never happened before there has to be a crash coming well i i also think that we aren't going to get back to manufacturing for a while and so whatever is keeping that manufacturing company from going under yeah unless the government does something to hold them up they're going to go under because yes. they're going to yes. they're going to default on other loans, right? And then that's going to mean the banks are going to yes. not have those resources, yep. and then the banks might stop lending yep. again. Because like you're saying, like oh, 2008 was bad because the banks couldn't lend money. That's like saying oh well, they died from bleeding. Right? They were shot by a gun. Right, 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 right. The right. gun is the cause. The right. the banks not lending is like right. the side effect of that. Right. And so I think like the fact people aren't continue. The fact that people aren't buying anything is the gun. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they can't manufacture anything. That's the gun. And I think eventually that's going to get to the point where, I mean, I don't want it to crash. It just seems like it's inevitable because we had a little one early on this year, well, but it, it seems like it wasn't. Well, but see, that's the thing. It, 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 it There was there was. So like you said, I hope there I'm was wrong. permanent job loss. Mm-hmm. OK, now now what could cause a crash that I see is uh, I don't know how ta- how much taxes are going to go up. But essentially, this is this is the system we've built in our country is where the wealthy control everything. Okay, so if I if the difference between me building a new application, designing some new whatever, opening some wing of revving up some wing of a business is that uh, if I'm going to be taxed at 70 cents on my dollar versus 30 cents, I'm not going to even open the business. Okay, I'm not going to even think about doing that. All right. So that's where we start to kneecap the economy a little bit. I don't think it's going to be terrible. I think what will happen is we'll raise taxes. We'll take the moral um, we'll, we'll take the moral credit for that being like, hey, we're raising taxes to f- subsidize more social programs, whatever. Well, then the rich are going to start to go. I don't want to have my money in this country anymore. I don't have I, I, I can't spend my money here. I, I'm not going to go uh, pay a bunch of UX designers and developers to go do something like, you know, because essentially I'm not going to make any money on it because there's going to be such high taxes. So I'll go put my money somewhere, somewhere else. Yeah. So you have a cash crisis. You could have a cash I, crisis. So I know we've talked about offshore offshoring before, but I think that's where we need to change our policies in this country. It's like, oh, well, uh, I live in this country. I have to pay all these stupid taxes. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I'm going to go somewhere else. Right. All right. You want to sell your goods and services here? Your prices are going to go way fucking up if you want to do that because yeah. you aren't making them here. Yeah. You're going to try to bring them in here made by some lower paid offshore resources. Wait. Pay more for them. You're pay, saying these 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 companies are going to like put their resources elsewhere. Yeah, maybe yeah. move themselves. Yeah, move their production lines. All like, right. Apple's headquarters, actual headquarters, I think tax wise is in Dublin. Are you sure it's not in Delaware? No, it's Dublin, okay. Dublin, Ireland. Yeah, because the taxes are just 
the, bottom. There, there's a couple tax havens around the country. The, there's one in Delaware. There's one in Jersey, which is mm. an island off of France. Mm. Uh, I, I never heard about Dublin. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's little places around the country where yep. people will you know, incorporate themselves. Right. Well, like several of the insurance companies I used to work for, they would have offices in Delaware. Yep. And if you go look, there's like a shit ton of fortune 500 companies have their headquarters registered in this, right. this little state. And like, there's no buildings there. There's no employees. Right. It's just like, that's where they're incorporated because of tax havens. So the next, if there is a crash, the next crash will come from the panic of the wealthy. And it will be a crash that, well, it will have a now it'll happen because there will be a bystander effect. People will go, oh, my God, I'm going to get taxed. I got to put my money elsewhere. Well, then that money goes out of the economy. It can't be lent. It can't be spent. It can't. There's nothing you can do with it because it's somewhere somewhere else's money right now. Um, and then what happens is, is everyone's you'll start to see the crash happen. Slow motion. And all the wealthy will go, who's going to put their, are you going to, I'm not going to, and everyone will just wait for someone to put. Wouldn't that be people just selling their stocks? Well, I think stock, uh, I think stock markets, stock, the stocks are. Most rich people, all their money is in stocks. Incorrect. No. You don't think so? Nope. You don't think Jeff Bezos' wealth is majority Amazon stock? Oh yeah, of course. Sure. But like. Okay. So the richest man in the world. How about Elon Musk? Where, where the third richest man in the world, where's most his wealth? Um, I would say it's probably Tesla stocks. Well, but hold on, Matt. Like it's not just stock. Like the thing is, is if you, if you're wealthy, you're smart. Okay. And, and you have diversified your portfolio of wealth. Okay. So wealthy people don't just put money in stocks because it's too volatile. Like I could be a billionaire one day and a millionaire the next day. Okay. If there's a slight dip in the, in the stock market, I could lose all my money. I could lose a shitload of my money. Do you so, remember reading about when Elon Musk lost like eighty million in like yeah, an afternoon? Bezos loses that much every day. Exactly because it's right. in stocks, but right. they get it all back. Right. But the thing is, is the actual assets that he owns. So there's value. So stocks are valuations of companies, yeah. right? Okay. So like, th- then you have the assets, mm-hmm. right? So like, I know wealthy people who own buildings, right? So they literally have the title of that building. They own the concrete. Yeah. Okay. That is an asset that isn't so, – so there's another thing. It's like – so when you're wealthy, you don't want to have a bunch of cash. You don't want to have a bunch of stock. You want to have a lot of assets. So that's why gold is a big t- – people talk a lot about gold, real estate, because those things aren't subject as much to inflation and deflation. Okay, cash, I could have a billion dollars, and then in five years, it's $500 million because uh, now a dollar buys less, right, because of inflation, just natural inflation. Stocks are very similar. They change too too quickly. You don't have all your money in stocks. You screw yourself. Like, or some days you might be a billionaire, and the next day you're a millionaire. I don't know. When it comes to stocks, usually people who have that much money they know in advance if things are going to tank or not, and they'll adjust accordingly. So, so Amazon's valuation. Amazon, yes, Jeff Bezos has a shitload of stock. He also has probably a lot of buildings. He has probably a lot of companies I'm he buys. Sure, look, I, look, I'm sure his assets are in the billions. But majority of his wealth is in stocks. Uh, I would say overwhelming majority. I can't. I, I can't. I can't. Um, what is it? What is it? What does he have to say? Coach just sent me a link. Uh, how billionaires saw their net worth increase by half a trillion dollars during the pandemic. Forty million Americans filed for unemployment during the pandemic, but billionaires saw their net worth increase by half a trillion. Yeah. So your, your net worth, like your net worth, is Matt. Your net worth is your house. Okay. 
It's I, it's your I, salary. I, you don't need to explain to me what net worth is. We're just having a disagreement about where we think the net worth is coming from. I understand what net worth. I is. don't think Jeff Bezos is okay. A majority of his net worth is probably in stocks, but like that, you're an idiot if the majority of your wealth is in stocks and you're wealthy. It just doesn't make any sense. It it is a hedging. It is a tool that you use to hedge. Um, yes, he owns a company, but that's stocks. Also, the valuation of that company, uh, the 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 hypothetical valuation of that company. Who who knows actually what Amazon's worth? It's a bunch of wealthy people that say it's worth, or the stock market says it's worth a hundred and you know x billion dollars. Um, Apple's worth a tr- is it two trillion? I don't know. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like there, I uh, what was I going to say? The I think, um, I think that uh, like essentially there's there's projected worth. There's, there's, there's what a market says something's worth. Okay. Let's go to argue about this and just get to whatever your point was. Yeah. Um, so I think the, what's going to happen is there's going to be a recession, but it will be because people are pulling their money because out of America. Because rich people are scared and they're investing elsewhere. Right. And okay. so, and so then that comes down to like, what is it that's making them scared? Well, uh, it's fundamentally, it, look at the psychology. So it's loss aversion. So if you talk, if you look at the book or if you read the book, um, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. He's got uh, there's studies that show that the the pain of of the pain of your th- thinking about the pain of losing something the pain of losing something is twice that of gaining something. Okay, so if I lost the the thought of losing a hundred dollars is is more painful than the thought of gaining two hundred dollars. Okay, then then the, then the happiness or the 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 feeling of joy I get from gaining two hundred dollars. So we fear essentially the takeaway is we fear more losing than 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 we enjoy gaining. Okay, so when these things happen, start to happen, we need to conquer loss aversion. Okay, that we need pe- we need wealthy people to go. Uh, I, I I'm gonna lose everything, and you're gonna go. You're not gonna lose everything. Hold on, I I don't buy this argument for Biden Harris because. You think rich people are more worried that Biden and Harris are going to drastically change the country than Donald Trump? Yeah, yeah, th- yeah. Th- you you can question me on that for sure, for sure. But like, I- I'm more talking about the mechanism of what makes people fear. Yeah, right? yeah, and I-, I understand that is 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 well. But the thing is, it's fine. Understanding it's one thing. What do you do about it? How do you how do you how do you how do you um, solve for it? Right? How do you how do you battle that? You can't control like, people. I agree, but you can persuade people, and then they can control themselves, maybe, if free will exists. And we come back. Here we go. Here we go. Come on. 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 Come do we have any topics we want to talk about? Oh, yeah. You Do you want to know about my carny days? Only if you stop talking like that. Sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, so, so I, I made a huge mistake at, at one point in my life, okay? And it wasn't being a Only carny. Only one? It, it wasn't being a carny. It was telling people that I had been a carny when it wasn't really true. Now, what I did was... I've never ran a certified mechanical you had sex sev- with a clown. several ton device. Okay, several ton machine. I've never had sex with a certified clown. 
They were okay. uncertified. That makes it even sketchier. Yeah. yeah. So um, I know that we've all been to carnivals where we stood in line next to the person who's just a uh, an ardent Christ follower, and they're taking. I, I've never known one of those. They're taking your tickets, right? And you get on the ride if you're tall enough, and then you get nauseous, and then you get off, right? Maybe you kiss a girl. I don't know. This is high school days. So you've never kissed a girl. Yeah. And uh, so the that's the regret is that I've told people I was a carny when in reality what happened was uh, I was going to a Catholic high school and my brother-in-law who was on the board of the Catholic high school told his buddy that I want I needed a summer job. And so then his buddy hired me and his buddy ran an inflatable service uh, where you would contact them and for a party it, it was a bounce house rental it was a bounce house rental it was a bounce house rental and so but but it wasn't just bounce houses it was like massive like there were okay so we had several rides we had a slide we had a bounce house we had they um, were all inflatable yeah and so you ran them with these like fans yes right bounce house rentals right okay and uh, so I went I went all around the Midwest, setting these things up, taking tickets, putting them down. Let me get this right. Yep. The problem with the story yeah. is you're a compulsive liar. And uh, you said you were a carny yeah. when you would manage bounce house rentals. I, I, would, I, I told people I was an inflatable carny. And, and, and there were parts of it that were definitely carny. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, there's just just when I think like I don't think Ryan could disappoint me anymore. Yeah, you you manage. Yeah, and it's it's amazing. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> uh, so I mean, there were some really interesting events that we had happen. Um, very, just like city festivals. Um, never any birthday parties, but I mean, you had to spend ten grand to have us. Like, it was that kind of thing. You'd have to bring... There were several rides. Um, and the craziest one that I went... The craziest trip I went on was in Valparaiso, Indiana, when we drove... Oh, God, I don't know how far that is from Des Moines, but we drove all night in a in a pickup um, to get there for an early morning setup. And um, it was a hellish venture. Um, I hung out with a bunch of characters. There was a, three brothers. Uh, it was like a crew of eight people, nine people. Um, our, the guy who owned the place was a magician. Um, fake name. Yep. And, uh, he was an absolute character, like someone who was beyond understanding. He was beyond the dimensions of just normal reality. I feel like when you say character, you're trying to prevent yourself from saying something derogatory. Probably. I mean, I don't know. He was, he was six, four loud misogynist, um, uh, just crazy. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if I can was say Was he a any, good magician? I don't know if I can say any of this. Is this libel? Oh, okay. Um, and so, uh, he was a, he was a, a, he was definitely someone that, okay, so, I don't know, it's not that good of a story. Um. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I'm not invested in it at this point. Yeah. Uh, so we were driving back from Valparaiso and he had just gotten a truck, big quad cab, four, you know, F450. And F million. F million, yeah. <laughs> F trillion. And um, can you imagine all the zero? Like, the zeros would just go down the side of the truck. Well, uh, the truck's that long, so it's fine. It's true. <laughs> they, they are massive. 
and we were pulling 8,000 pounds worth of inflatable to- toys behind us. And um, I was in the... <laughs> our ownership wanted to cut corners. And so we wanted to take it because he didn't want to pay for gas for everyone's car to drive. So he was like, just get in the truck. Well, I was in the back bed of the truck. And I remember we were uh, smoking drugs in the bed of the truck. And it is four in the morning and we're going, we're somewhere south of Iowa or west or east of Iowa, wherever, east. And I take a hit and I look inside the cab of the truck from the bed and I see the driver fall asleep. And I pounded on the window and then the person behind him shook him and woke him up. And then he veered off into the ditch and so in the cab of a truck, so if you're going 80 miles an hour and you got 8,000 pounds of inflatable toys behind you, you're, you're hauling them, you feel as though you're going to go over because you have a trailer. He swerved, but that's the only the half of it. The trailer had to swerve, yeah, too. Yeah, the trailer, trailer has to the go. The trailer, yes. The trailer. And the whole truck, if you want your life to flash before your eyes, be high on ditchweed. <laughs> In the back of a truck in the middle of a night <laughs> with inflatable toys going 80 miles. I th- I saw everything flash before my eyes, and I gave my life to the Lord in that moment. Did he take your vir- virginity right there on the spot? Did yeah. he like appear to you, rape you, have his way with you? It, said, was, it was consent. He said, hand it over. He said, ah, hand it over. It, it's like I gave him a ticket. Give me that ruby star fruit. It was like he gave me a ticket, or I gave him a ticket, and he took the and ticket. Then, and then he, he took your ride. And, uh, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I remember getting back home at like f- six in the morning and just being like walking in the kitchen and getting a drink of water and just going to bed and just being like, oh my God, like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I did it for like two summers or something. Um, it was, did it pay well? It was a hundred dollars a day. That's not bad. Yeah. Not for like 16 years old. Yeah. It's not too bad. Um, but it also wasn't like it was a run out the clock. It sounds really boring. It was kind of fun. It was mostly like it sounds like hell. Uh, it was mostly trying to. I would kill myself. So here, here's the thing: it was mostly trying to like hit on small town Iowa girls. Um, and hey, how a, are you? My name's Ryan. Yeah, in a gigantic t-shirt because he didn't want to pay for si- t-shirt sizing so we just all got larges <laughs> so you were this scrawny kid oh yeah like i had a, a massive XL. t-shirt on <laughs> like, and when i'll be, like, be like hey what's up what's up and they'd be like Haha, what's up how's it going and i'd be like can i have your ticket and then that was the signal they're like well, we're done with you you're garbage and you know fanny pack gigantic t-shirt shorts um snarky attitude long hair holding like, a bible holding cross a, around your neck yeah yep um, on my knees, on my metaphorical knees, <laughs> my physical knees, on your metaphorical little knees. <laughs> yeah. On the littlest part of my little knee, just, uh, the littlest part of my, so my knee, I, I've invented this, this still thing. makes no sense. So, hold to on. Me. Shut up, Matt. I have, I've invented something that what it is, is it's in the littlest part of my little knee. And what it is, is it, you unfold it and it is a, um, it, it is a, a crutch that you don't have to get on your actual knees. What it is is it's inside your knee, and you can just unfold them so you don't have to kneel all the way. So you you get on your knees, you get on your knees, or you try to get on your knees, and then you only get part way down, and then you unfold the crutches, and those are like little um, they're like little uh, braces that keep your knees above normal knee level, um, so that you don't have to work so hard. 
normal knee level. Oh yeah, I remember when when I looked on the knee table, the table of knees. Yeah. Normal knee level. I got. It. I mean, it's a standard in it's in 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 America. That's kind of it. In America, it's uh, it's an it's an English system. The knee. Yes, that's it. That's badass. But except for they come out of your knee. I'm pretty um, sure that's if you have like a broken ankle. Broken angle. So Achilles. what I do want to emphasize is that our models are made with the English system in mind, not the metric. Um, it, this idea hasn't taken off in the UK. Speaking of, how Boop. dumb is the English system? Boop. Or, or are you Boop. a big fan? Boop. I don't have an opinion. Do you think Jesus prefers the metric or uh, imperial? Probably metric. That is controversial. Is it? And with that, we'll go to our sponsor, the metric system. <laughs> yeah, the metric system. <laughs> Next week, your uh, our sponsor is the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Two Idiots Podcast. We'll be back every Tuesday with another informative episode. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave us just leave us a glowing review so I uh, I stop crying in the bathroom mirror. Thank you for listening. <laughs>